time. It's the most elusive asset we have, and yet few copywriters seem to be able to control it. What do you do when you run out of time? You can't buy more. I've tried, and now I think I've scared the assistant at the grocery store. How do we choose what's worthy of investing our time in and what's not? How do we avoid the time traps that are laid all around us? In this episode, we're chatting to the renowned, must, renowned master of time, Kate Christie, about the biggest time pitfalls and how you can end the time race once and for all. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about, you guessed it, copywriting. My name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter, the founder of the Clever Copywriting School, an online hub for all things copywriting with courses, jobs, a community, and so much more. And with me is the delicious Belinda Weaver. Hi, my name is Belinda Weaver. I'm a copywriter and my business is Copyright Matters. That's where you can find tons of content, coaching and courses on all things copywriting. Hurrah! And we also have with us Kate Christie. Hello, Kate Christie. Hello, ladies. How are you? It's lovely to have you here. She's seen behind the scenes and seen what utter buffoons uh, both Belinda and I are, but she's, she's humouring us. So, Kate, we, well, I, we didn't meet. Well, we kind of met. I saw you. I think I, I think I touched your coat at the Flying Solo <laughs> event where you presented a fabulous presentation all about time management. I made so many notes that I even turned it into a pretty organogram diagram and shared it on Instagram which you may not remember, but it's, I don't do that for everyone, so you should have been very impressed. Kate, can you just tell us a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, and who you do it for? Okay. Well, look, thank you very, very much for having me and for that lovely introduction. I am a time management expert. I'm the mum of three teenagers, which in itself is a challenge. I am the best-selling author of a number of books. My new book is about to come out, which is exciting, and we can talk about that later maybe. And I am very much focused on making sure that both men and women never feel that they have backed themselves into a corner where they basically have to choose between things they love doing through lack of time. And I think that um, time is the one thing that we all have exactly the same amount of. No one can buy more or steal more or secure more. So if as a business owner, uh, as a parent, as a productive member of society, if you are able to invest your time wisely, then you are actually going to sort of run the race faster and better than the people who don't. I love that. And a couple of things to touch on there. Some, there's that terrible meme going around saying you have exactly as much time as Beyonce. I don't know why Beyonce is given as the example of, of the time master, but there you go. But one of the phrases that you use a lot in your presentations and your books is you talk about time investment rather than time management. Why, why that phrase? Why investment? Look, time management for me I think, and for a lot of people I've spoken to, it just has such negative connotations. It's this whole thing around, oh, God, I need to manage my time better or I'm not managing my time well or I want to manage my, my day. And it, it, it just has a negative connotation because it, it's almost like a task-oriented, oh, I must do better. And I think if we flip it around and think about time as something you need to invest, I mean, your time is like your money. Your time is money. And we, we consciously approach uh, the growing of our wealth with an investment attitude. 
you're going to put your money in the bank that has the highest interest rate. You're going to borrow money for your mortgage at the lowest interest rate. You are going to, you set yourself financial goals. We all have financial budgets. And that it's all a positive discussion around uh, investing your money for the greatest possible return. And that's the way we have to start thinking about our time. It needs to be invested for the greatest possible return, not managed. Yeah. I like that because it's, it's our biggest asset. And as you said, like managing stuff just sounds, well, frankly, quite boring and horrible. So I love, I love that approach. And, and, and I'll pass over to Belinda because we're going to talk about the way that you invest. So the cost lenses. Yeah. Because you, mm. you, Belinda didn't see your presentation. She's like, what? Yeah, I want to find out. But I love, you know, I think the idea with this man- time management is this idea of wrangling time mm. as well. Like it's something out of our control. Yeah. And that we have this big problem getting it under control. But I want to hear more about these cost lenses. So my notes here tell me that there are four cost, is it cost lenses? Yes. Cost lens. Yeah, yes. I want to hear them. What are these things? Okay, so I, I guess it, it is intrinsically um, lined up with this concept of investing your time. And one of the things I say is, or I talk to people about, is that for any given task you perform, you always want to ask yourself, is this the best use of my time? So am I, is this time investment I'm making right now the absolute best use of my time? Because if it's not, choose a different task. Now, one of the ways you can determine whether or not what you're working on is the best use of your time is to look at that task through four different cost lenses. So uh, the first cost lens is financial cost. So your time is money. We all have, um, we can all allocate an hourly rate to ourselves, whether or not you work in a business or, you know, if you're a copywriter who's charging by the hour or by the, the, the project, ultimately you can identify and allocate yourself an hourly rate. And honestly, the higher the hourly rate, the better for the purposes of this exercise, because you are actually putting a value on your time. So a good example of this is if your hourly rate is $50. So that's what I'm going to charge my clients to produce this piece of work, $50. And that's the lens you should be looking through for all the tasks you perform. So if you're uh, putting together a piece of work for your clients and you're going to charge an hourly rate of $50, then if you're spending an hour a day on Facebook, then you should be thinking about that as costing you $50. And $50 times an hour a day across a year is $18,250 of your time. Wow. So is this the best use of my time? I remember during the uh, presentation, the collective drawing in of breath when she gave that number out because we all realised, especially now with our new apps that have a thing that tells us how much time we spend Free on social. Yeah. It's actually disgusting. And that one, that one really shocked everyone, didn't it? It does. And I think, you know, you can talk about um, the costs, but when you actually give people hard numbers, I think that's when it resonates. All right, so the second cost lens that I'd like you to think about is thinking about opportunity cost. So every time you perform a particular task, there's always another task or multiple other tasks you could actually be performing. And if opportunity cost resonates with you, then the question is, well, look, is this really the best use of my time from an opportunity cost perspective? So if you're choosing to spend an hour or two a day faffing around in admin, uh, when you could be spending an hour or two on income generating, bottom line, revenue generating tasks for your business, then that's your opportunity cost. The third cost lens is emotional cost. 
so how am I going to feel about how I've been spending my time? And this one often sort of comes into play um, with your kids or with your family, particularly for, you know, women in business. It's sort of like if you're, you're distracted or you're focusing on your business all the time and you're half focused on the kids and you're not having that conversation and they're just looking at you saying, mum, you're not even listening. And then, you know, someone's crying and then you miss an assembly because you're at a meeting and, you know, and, and later on you turn around and you think, God, I, I, you know, actually feel pretty shitty about how I spent my time. So it's an emotional cost. Um, Mine plays out on a Sunday morning when I'm yelling at everyone to help me clean the house. You know, I'm not your slave and for God's sake, clean up your floor robes and, you know, this house is in a hotel and, and then, you know, my teenagers will manipulate that and then they make me feel horrible afterwards and that's an emotional cost. Uh, and the final cost lens is physical cost, which is pretty much any task you're doing makes for pain, uh, physical or mental pain, so headaches, anxiety, stress, guilt, um, sore back, from sitting in front of your computer all day, um, then that's the physical cost. So the idea really is to think about which of those cost lens, lenses really resonate with you because there'll be one or two that are more impactful for each of your listeners. And that's the cost lens they should seize on so that when they're performing a particular task, they can stress test it. And is this actually the best use of my time? And yeah. if it's not, then make another decision. I love that. So financial cost, opportunity cost, emotional cost, and physical cost. So those are the four cost lenses. The other thing you talked about at the uh, at the event was the smart time investment framework. So, you know, really thinking about the greatest return on investment. How how does that smart time investment framework play out? So this is something that anybody can do. Once you actually know and understand the framework, you can do it, you know, annually. It's sort of like a bit of an annual detox. So um, SMART is an acronym. There's five steps. The first step is self-aware. The second step is MAP. The third step is analyse. The fourth step is reframe. And the fifth step is take control. And just in summary, self-aware, the, the process there is uh, to understand exactly what is challenging you from a time investment perspective. So where do I keep tripping up? Am I getting bogged down in emails? Am I constantly procrastinating? Am I allowing distra- uh, interruptions? Am I distracted? You know, So getting an understanding of what they are, but also then getting an understanding of what your key values are because your values are sort of demonstrate, are demonstrated through your behaviours during the day. And, and if you know exactly where you want to be spending your time or what's most important to you in terms of values, it makes it very easy for you to say yes and no to particular requests that come your, come your way. Um, the second step is map, and that's where you map a couple of days of your life um, from the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed. It's highly, highly tedious. Uh, however, the results or the data you get, the data set is amazing because you're going to see things like how often you're distracted, how often you're multitasking, how often you're in and out of your emails, who's actually interrupting you, um, how often you're interrupting yourself. Um, you know, over 40% of the times you are interrupted during the day are self-generating. So you're going to flush out that sort of data. Uh, step three, analyze, is basically where you I, you take all the tasks from your maps and you categorize them either as either a must, a want, something that you can delegate or outsource or insource, and uh, something that you could reject. And that's also when you cost your time. So we've talked about the cost lenses. Uh, step four, reframe, is where you basically say these are the changes I'm going to make because we are all creatures of habit. 
I've now identified the sort of four or five really crazy habits that are costing me time. And then step five, take control is you actually, that's, that's the implementation step. You actually go out and make the changes. I love this. This is something we've talked a lot about on the podcast before. So, you know, we've talked about using Toggle uh, for our listeners who are listening, using Toggle to track your time and look at all your tasks. And yes, it's laborious and it gets really annoying. But one thing it really trains you to do is to stop jumping from task to task as well. Um, This isn't a question that we had, but something that I loved from your presentation was the whole notion that multitasking is a bit of a myth. There's only a tiny percent of people who can actually genuinely multitask. What we're really doing is just doing a bad job of a lot of things at the same time. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so I I think... Um, often as women, we pride ourselves on being great at multitasking and and we're actually shooting ourselves in the foot on this one. Um, ultimately, the reason why people multitask is that they have a belief that the more tasks they have open or managed at the same time, the more they're actually going to get through. And it's the absolute opposite of that. Um, multitasking is proven to reduce your productivity by 40%, uh, which is the equivalent of losing a night's sleep. It's the equivalent of dropping 10 IQ points. Now, an example of multitasking could be when you're sitting at your desk trying to write and you've got your computer open and you're you know, doing your copywriting and you've got your emails flashing in the top right-hand corner of the screen. That's multitasking. Um, having your phone on the whole time, having a buzzing or you know, on alert, having a system where your staff or your family or your kids or whoever can just come in and interrupt you at any given time Um, they're all examples of multitasking and it's a killer. It's an absolute killer. Imagine the productivity increase you would get if you were just able to single focus on one task at a time to, you know, and eschewing all distractions, Uh, your productivity goes through the roof. Mm. And that's something we talk about on the pod as well. Kate and I use the Pomodoro technique, which is mm-hmm. setting a timer for 25 minutes and just focusing on one thing. And we, I don't know about you, Kate, but I can't do it all day no. because I'm so darn productive that I'm fucked out. I'm just exhausted. Yeah. But I loved what you talked about then is the multitasking isn't necessarily just, isn't like I have would have thought multitasking is actively doing like slots of different things. But I love this idea that multitasking is just notifications coming up. Anything that takes you away from that focus is in that category of multitasking, which I Absolutely. think surprises a lot of people. That's a big reframe for me right there. Yeah, it, it's and, and think about it in terms of the devices or the multiple devices that you have. So it's not just about your computer. I mean, the average smartphone user checks their phone 85 times a day. Now, that is multitasking. That's nothing compared to me. Yeah. <laughs> No, um, you know what I do, which I, I always think is so smart of me, but it's actually not, is because I'm uploading a lot of files and downloading or waiting things, I'm like, in that couple of seconds while that's uploading, I'm going to open another tab and get my, the next task ready. But really, sometimes I think I should just sit and wait for the 13 seconds it takes to upload. Do you know what I mean? But I, I'm like, no, 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 like, that's 13 seconds. I can utilize that 13 seconds. So I think you can... It's, it comes from a good place of trying to make the maximum use of my time, but also it frazzles you out. And just to sit and do the task and do it all the way through and then start the next one, you're saying that that's a more productive approach. Is that right? Very, look, very much so. And just sort of picking up a bit on what Belinda said in terms of, you know, it's really hard to maintain throughout the day because you become exhausted. Um, you, you need to think about your day as a series of short sprints. It's not a marathon. Mm. So you need to sprint 
and then rest, sprint and then rest, sprint and then rest. So you want to set your timer for anywhere between 25 minutes and an hour, depending on your personal capacity. Um, When the timer goes off, you take a 10 to 15 minute break, get up and get completely away from what you're doing because that will increase, it gives you a bit of a productivity boost of around about 10 to 15%. Now, the other thing that you can do, and then you go into your next uh, task, but the other thing I would say is that be very, very conscious of your energy and your high periods of productivity during the day, because you want to maximize those. So for example, if you're a morning person, then you want to batch or block time into your calendar for your hardest most impactful strategic tasks. So income generating, business winning, business planning, the really important stuff. You want to use your best brain for your best work. Then what you do is if then you're um, typically if you're really strong in the morning, you're going to be weaker or tired or less energetic after lunch in the afternoon, you don't then power on through your really hard strategic tasks. Your brain needs to have a rest. Um, So you then schedule or batch in time for the afternoon for your process-driven, mundane kind of work that you can do with your eyes closed. So uh, billing, invoice processing, uh, approvals, uh, one-on-one meetings that don't require your best brain because you can't be 100% on during the day. Um, You don't want to do your best work when you've got a slow brain, because it's going to take longer, it's going to require rework and the results are going to be substandard. Equally, you don't want to do your mundane work at your best brain time. It always astounds me how many people, if they're morning people, but they start the day by opening the emails. Mm-hmm. And that's really just a list of everyone else's priorities. That's not a yeah. list of your priorities. That is such a good way of framing that as well. I remember you posted something about this recently, Kate, where yeah. you said, you don't do any, you do all um, your hard work before you check your email and you check only check your email, was it two times a day or three times a day? Two times a day, yeah, because I find as soon as I, you, you know, I like to, it's the whole, I, it's, I think it's eat the frog, but I like to call it lick the frog. I like to do my most revolting task first thing. And then after that's done or I've done an hour's worth of work or I've done something that earns me money, I usually try and do something that earns me money. Then I open my inbox because then I go from creative and pre- proactive mode. As soon as I open my inbox, I go into to reactive mode I'm actually responding yeah. to other people's and that can screw your whole day all the things you had planned have gone out the window um, and you, that leads us nicely into the, to the next question because I think this is one of the biggest challenges don't you Belinda is that um the the what do you think the biggest time challenges are because we've already mentioned a few um like opening email but where do you think people really fall down I think that, um, it's, look, certainly starting your day on your emails is a massive one. Um, you know, you, you want to come into your day with a really good to-do list that's cross-referenced against your calendar so you know exactly what you've batched in for your high-energy periods and for your low-energy periods. Um, the worst thing you can then do is check your emails first because your plan just went straight out the window. You know, you're now marching to someone else's beat. So absolutely, um, you don't want to open your emails. And my, look, my general rule of thumb is that unless you're a first responder, so if you're a fireman or a policeman or a paramedic, <laughs> then, you know, yes, absolutely, you want, to be, <laughs> you want to be accessible. But if you're not, then there's no reason to be jumping straight into those emails. Um, multitasking, we've already talked about, is, is another 
big killer. I think also um, not prioritising income generating tasks. Often people, um, you know, will default to, to default to what's easy um, and will default to what you can, what we often call quick wins. So I, I, I'm going to put in some quick wins. I'm going to, you know, clean out my inbox or I'm going to um, redesign this particular template or I'm going to um, do a whole heap of admin. And it's, it, it, it has a temporary sense of satisfaction because it's a quick win, you've achieved something, but you're not contributing to the bottom line of the business and, and it's, it's pointless. Um, I, I think the other thing and then another, look, I could sit here and give you a thousand, but uh, another key one is um, particularly if a lot of your listeners are small business owners is not, um, is, is kind of trying to do everything and be, you know, jack of all trades. And it's very important to quickly identify what you're really, really good at. And, and really that is going to be, unless you're in the wrong business, that's going to be what you're really good at is the income generating parts for your business. Um, identify what you're great at and quickly outsource and get rid of the things that you're not really great at, but are time sucking. Um, you know, if you're a copywriter that, you know, you're not an IT person. So don't spend two hours trying to solve an IT issue on your computer. Um, so, you, you know, it's about quickly identifying what you can outsource. Um, other big time wasters are understanding and identifying your rejects. So for mine, rejects fall into two categories. Uh, there are partial rejects and total rejects. So a total reject is basically any task that you perform, which is an absolute waste of your time that nobody on earth needs to perform. Now, we all have those and it's about identifying them and getting rid of them. So a classic example, um, I had a client who, she was a C-suite executive, you know, made an absolute fortune. Um very, very highly successful, assured me that she had no rejects at all. And about five minutes in, we identified identified she was ironing her bras and undies. Okay, that's a total reason. <laughs> you know, no one needs to do that. Um, washing the sheets every day, uh, changing, the, um, changing towels every day, ironing your sheets, <laughs> ironing anything. What? They're all total risks. people. <laughs> I know, right? But people yeah, obviously haven't met out. copywriters. We, we barely even bathe, let alone <laughs> wash our towels. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I think I'm trying to think what my, my reject things are. I don't know if I have any. I think I'm, I think I'm perfect. What are your reject things, Belinda? What, what, what stupid things do you oh. do? I was just looking at the state of my house in this room going, you know, there's clearly not a lot of tidying that I could be doing. <laughs> oh, I recently got a cleaner with that kind of mindset of going, I'm spending time that I want to be doing on something else, like mm. ha having fun, having a life, dear God. So I, that was a task that I've, that I've outsourced. Um, speaking of outsourcing, you talked about, you know, knowing what your best time what you should be spending your time on and and I think we did an episode about a v, getting a VA and in the early stages of your business it can be kind of hard to outsource because you think oh I can't afford it yet but if if everyone looked at their time through those cost lenses or those through those four lenses and you suddenly went well why am I spending an hour doing this document creation or this mail merge or this all these kind of admin tasks that a virtual assistant can do it for a lot less 
then a copywriter should be charging. Yeah, I think that's absolutely. a really valuable mindset to get other people on your team. It is, and I think it's about thinking, well, you know, so rather than thinking can I afford to do this yet, I think the question is can I afford not to because yeah. ultimately your time is money and the reason why you outsource and the only tasks you're ever going to outsource are tasks where someone else who is an expert can do it faster, better and cheaper than you. And if anything falls into that category, are they faster, better, and cheaper, then you should be outsourcing the task. I love now, that. A classic one in terms of rejects, if, um, Belinda, if you've just got a cleaner, is the number one reject of all time is do not clean before the cleaner comes. Oh. No, I do the clean that. for the cleaner. I tidy up for the cleaner. Oh, so yeah, everyone says that. Everyone says that. <laughs> <laughs> They've seen worse. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What's, um, what's your biggest challenge, Kate, would you say, when it comes to these things? To time. I mean, I, 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 I think I'm very much a creature, a, a Kate creature. So all the things that she's saying, this is like music to my ears, because that's, that's why I wanted to get you on the show, because I've, I've even found my original little diagram that I took. So I will share that as part of the show notes, because this is, this, is, this is what I preach to all my people. I think the the biggest challenge I see for copywriters is often the phone. Uh, so I see a lot of uh, copywriters not putting their phone number on their website because they're like, people will call me and I don't want to be called all day. And it's like, just turn your phone off and pick a slot in the day where you want to return calls and manage that. And also really limit the time. So my little trick always with my clients was to go, was to call them at 15 minutes to the hour. And be like, hey, Bob, I've just got 15 minutes before my next call to have this chat. Um, and then you're not rude. You know, 15 minutes is enough time to talk about anything. Nothing really needs to take longer than 15 minutes. And that was a really great way of me controlling my time because I think a lot of copywriters become very unprofitable because they just have so much discussion time. And it's why as well that Belinda and I always say in our process documents that in your proposal, you should say specifically how much discussion time the client gets. because talking can fill a whole day yeah do you do you find do you agree with that Kate is that something that you find that really business owners struggle with just getting involved in really lengthy conversations that just eat into their time yeah yeah absolutely and look I love what you say there about um the you know calling the clients when you've got that 15 minutes left um I, everyone's going to have lost pockets of time. And so one of the, the strategies that you can have is that when you find yourself with that 10 minutes to spare or 15 minutes to spare or a meeting finishes early or you finish a task early or a meeting gets cancelled or you're in the cab between appointments, um, have that list of numbers in your network or that list of clients and just work through that systemically. Hi, Kay, I've been thinking of you. I found I had 10 minutes to spare. How have you been? And it's just a really great way of staying in with your in with your network. Um, the, the, to to your question though, around you know, do business owners just get caught in the chat and the chat and the chat? Um, this a, a very quick and easy tip to resolve that is to always have an agenda, even if it's for a meeting with a new client or an existing client. Just and it could be as simple as sending them some bullet points. We've got a 15-minute chat. These are the three things we're going to discuss. Or we've got half an hour locked in. These are the two things we're going to discuss because there's no reason to keep talking. You, you, you know, it's, it's around communicating effectively so that you can then move on with the job. And, um, and so to start with, you know, have a look at your meetings and, and ask yourself this, would I be able to half the time of my meetings without compromising output? Love that. Um, 
I've got one other tip on that, which is something that um, there's an entrepreneur called Dale Beaumont. And whenever he wants to contact me about anything, he has a one-way conversation with me, which sounds very odd. What he does is he makes little sound files and emails them to me. And yeah. so I can pick those up whenever. I don't have to schedule a call. So don't be afraid of having one-way conversations with your client, like creating Loom videos or just recording a message saying, just want to update you on this so that they don't get the opportunity to talk back and you save even more time. That's my little tune tip. Um, Belinda, what? <laughs> your biggest uh, time challenge because you you've got a lot going on you've got like you've got humans and dogs and, and a busy life how, how, you yeah. know, I know that you struggle to squeeze it all in Kate can give you some advice what's your biggest challenge <laughs> uh, well my biggest challenge is the distractions um, I had a Monday is my only kid-free day. I've got two very small children. Um, so I've had to, over the last couple of years, I've had to break up my work day into little five-minute intervals. I'm like, oh, Ooh, they're playing happily. I can quickly work now. And that has had a really terrible impact on my focus, <laughs> my ability to focus. Um, now I'm shifting into having longer periods of time. Like today was a big writing day for me and I didn't get as much as I wanted done. And I know it was because... I checked the email too much and I got distracted reacting. And she posted on Facebook that she was going to do some work. As well. I know. Here I am being really productive on Facebook <laughs> before I get started. Um, so I know distractions are my biggest thing. So, you know, I, I know some of the things I do is I put music on, I, I close some things down, but it's that little kind of, oh, go on, Facebook. <laughs> like you. Yeah, yeah. The, the sexy music playing in the background. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> and I know it's terrible and I know some things to break it, but I, I need to become better at it because, you know, I've got too much to do and, and I'm feeling anxious about it now because I didn't invest in the right things today. Hmm. Well, I think that start with, you know, hang really explore that feeling of anxiety that you've got right now and you know dive deep into it and remember how bad this feels and because I want you to tap on that into that and draw on that so that next time when you find yourself chasing the butterflies and the shiny objects remind yourself of the emotional cost think about that feeling of anxiety that you haven't got through right now what you wanted to get through and then tomorrow, think to yourself, hey, hang on, if I'm going to spend five more minutes, 10 more minutes, 15 more minutes on Facebook, I'm going to feel that feeling of anxiety. That's an emotional cost. It's not the best use of my time. Well, um, it's a direct financial cost as well because I'm course. booking in my youngest for an extra day of childcare to catch up on the things and that's going to cost me some money. <laughs> it's going to cost you money and it's going to cost you emotionally too because you're going to get to the weekend, you're going to think, God, if I'd been a little bit more focused and disciplined, I would have had that day with my child and we would have gone to the park and had fun and now I'm a shit mum and I'm guilty and I, you know, and, and all Stop that. Okay. Yeah. But you know what? That's what <laughs> we put on ourselves. You know? she, she wouldn't have thought that. She would have thought I could have put my kid in childcare and gone to the movies. That's yeah, or the spa. And, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's the same thing, isn't it? It's about using your time well so that when you have your downtime, you're spending on the stuff that's most important to you. And yeah. for me, mine would be a massage 100% of the time. Well, if I could put my 18-year-old into daycare, I would. <laughs> um, the other thing that um, I do and I think would work well for you is and, and for your, your listeners, because you are so sort of computer-based and computer-driven, get some post-it notes and just stick them around your computer. Is this the best use of my time? And have three or four of them 
stuck on your computer and on your desk um, so that when you do find yourself kind of flirting with Instagram or, um, you know, getting drawn into Facebook, you're going to have that visual reference there. Um, other visual cues, have a photo of your kids next to the computer so that you look at them and think, God, if I spend this 15 minutes on Facebook, that's 15 minutes. Oh, look, and Kate's holding up hers. Um, Written a post-it note out, listeners. Yeah. And I have my kid picture right here next to my desk. So it's, it's a very simple tactic. It's just a visual reminder of where you, your values. Where would I rather be spending my time? Yeah. Now, another thing that I loved that we've, we've talked about again on the podcast is Parkinson's law. So something that a copywriter, many copywriters do, is that they, you know, they, they allow the task to fill the time or alternatively, they wait until the last minute to do the thing. What, what is it about humans that make us do that? Why do some of us only get productive and make good use of our time when we're under a deadline pressure? Hmm. It's, it's funny. There's a fantastic TED talk about this, about hmm. procrastination and, and leaving things to the, the last minute. And I think, look, it is, it is human nature to, to do that. Um, now, a lot of people will do it with the false belief or the explanation that I just work really well under pressure. And it's, it's just baloney. I mean, if you um, pace yourself and you stagger your deadlines and you lock in reasonable deadlines, then you're going to work to them, which is going to free your time up to go win more business. And bottom yeah. line, you want more business because you're a business person. That's why, you know, I mean, apart from the fact that you love what you do, you actually want to make money from it. Um, so and for copywriters, it gives you more time for editing because that is really where you should be spending a lot of time. And if you're slamming up against deadlines all the time, you're not leaving time to fine-tune and edit everything as you should. Mm. And, and then you have to wonder about, you know, the quality of your output and the product. Am I, am I delivering the best possible product based on the fact that I've stayed up all night to deliver this when I already had, you know, I had a three-week deadline and I just, you know, I let it blow out. So um, the other thing with Parkinson's law is that once you get quite, kind of good at doing it, then um, what you can do is then you can leverage it. So think about and identify tasks that you commonly perform and have a really good understanding of how those common routine tasks, how much time they take you. And then you're going to leverage Parkinson's law. So you're going to say to yourself, well, um, you know, this particular type of task generally takes me an hour and I will spend um, three hours a week doing this. Right, from now on, I'm going to challenge myself to complete that task in 45 minutes or I'm going to challenge myself to complete that task in 30 minutes. And, and you, you tighten the screws and you actually leverage Parkinson's law so you're even getting more time back. Excellent. I mean, I think we've already shared some amazing tips on, on how to kind of claw back our time. Uh, but if you, if you, maybe we could all share some at the end. Belinda's, Belinda's disappeared. Oh, there she is. She just, Belinda just disappeared under a desk for two minutes. What are you doing? Um, I'm dying slowly. Oh, okay, you're coughing. Okay, I'll ask it. So, Kate, sorry, we're so professional. Um, what would be your big, big three tips? I mean, you mentioned a few of them today, but leave us with three big tips that we can use to, you know, invest our time better as copywriters. Okay, so number one is a mindset shift. If, if nothing else, walk out of here thinking from now on I'm going to invest my time, I'm not going to manage it. Um, number two is understand that you need to invest time to find your lost time. 
So you, you can't just flick a switch or wave a wand here and start getting slabs of time back. You actually have to focus on this stuff, get the strategies in place, um, put in a framework, make the rules for yourself and then stick to them. Um, you know, because you actually have to do the work to get the results on this. Um, the third big tip is is remember that, you know, when it comes to investing your time, this is about making sure that you live a life that you absolutely love. And if that doesn't motivate you to look at your time differently, then nothing will because it's all about just having your greatest possible life and doing all the bits that you love. And that's the prize. And it's, a, it's an awesome prize. It really is. And, I, and that, that, I'm going to say resonate. Forgive me. I did say resonate. That resonates with me so much because over the last six months, I've done so much less in my business. I've invested my time in other things. And it's amazed me how my business is just as good as it was. And that the truth is when you are a small business owner, when you're a copywriter, you can fill every inch of your day with tasks you know it will just expand to fill whatever time you give it and unless you have those boundaries um it's really impossible one other tip which you haven't given but it was my favorite tip from your speech i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna give it anyway is i love the way that you said with your to-do lists that you actually put instead of just having the task you have the task plus the time you're going to give it um and that's something that i now do i do, do try and do some pomodoro method but, but when i'm doing my to-do list i literally have a quick look at it and go how much time is that going to take and often that makes me redo my to-do list because I've just overestimated how much mm. I'm going to fit in today and I never was going to get it all done and I was going to feel disappointed with myself and then and feel on the back foot. But when I break it down into half-hour chunks, I can only do this much. That has to wait for tomorrow. And it really helps me prioritize. Well, I can only get three things done today. Which three things am I going to do? The rest has to wait. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's Kate's tip, but I've just delivered it on her behalf. That was, <laughs> like, I think it's a useful method, yeah? That's part of where I went wrong today as well because that is something I usually do because I have very small windows. So it's very easy for me to say, well, today I only have 45 minutes and so I can only get this much done. But I fall into a bit of a trap when I have more time, like my Mondays with kids in childcare, that I'm... I'm not under such tight pressure and it's just kind of finding that balancing act. Mm. And it's bringing the discipline to the Mondays that you show on the days where you've only got your 45 minutes. It's about yes. bringing that same level of discipline through to those other days. Yeah. Oh, so it's, uh, I, I don't know if I, it's a battle we ever win. Do, do, does anyone ever get to the point where they're just supreme time beings? And um, Belinda's very into Doctor Who, so she would love to have her own time machine. Do, you know... Do you know business owners who've really managed to turn around? Because it just, it, it sounds wonderful, but it, I'm 10 years in and I've still not mastered all these things. Is it just look, a constant effort? <laughs> look at it, it, it's, I think once you get the basics right and you start seeing the time come back in, it becomes quite addictive, to be mm. honest. And so there's always going to be new strategies. There's always going to be things that resonate with you. And once you start finding time and being able to leverage it for your business and for your personal life, um, it it's fun. It's awesome. And and so um, I, I've certainly, I mean, I, I wouldn't be in business if it didn't work, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I know a lot of business owners who have turned this around um, once they start focusing their time and controlling their time, um, then absolutely this stuff works. Yes, you can find slabs and slabs of time. Um, I've never not found someone 30 hours of time a month. 
Wow. And um, and, I, and that's I guarantee that. So um, yeah, it's 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 great. I love it. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I think I think it's that discipline. And for me, like people often say to me, God, how do you produce so much stuff? And it literally is the discipline. It's all the tips that you've mentioned today, but I got a few, a few new ones as well. And, and just mm. sticking at it and being consistent and, and, and not getting distracted and, you know, only looking at Facebook once every five or six minutes. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, Kate, let's finish up. Um, where can we find out more about you? And you mentioned your, your book. Feel free to give it a plug. Where, where can we find out more about you? Yeah, so my website's called Time Stylers, uh, www.timestylers.com. Uh, my new book is called Smart Time Investment for Business, 128 Ways the Best in Time <sighs> use their business. So it's, Ooh, that sounds good. Um, it has 128 strategies in there. And I've interviewed some amazing business people from around the world who talk about their time and their challenges. Um, so yes, look me up and um, more than happy to um, uh, chat with your listeners as well if they have any questions. Fantastic. Well, we'll include links to all of those uh, websites and books and, uh, and your Instagram and all the other things in the show notes for this episode. So, Kate, thank you ever so much for your time. Absolute, absolute pleasure. Thank I you. hope you feel it was a good investment. I think. <laughs> oh, that was a beautiful outro, Belinda. You have to be proud of me there. It wasn't even absolute, scripted. Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. Well, the regular listeners will know that at this time... We read out a review of the show. And today we're giving a shout out to Catherine Sempil, who says, Kate and Belinda host an entertaining, practical, non-intimidating pod. The advice is mega doable. And I always feel motivated by the end of it. I especially love the freelance business tips. Thanks. I think Catherine's going to be happy with this episode. And thanks yeah. to you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to take the time to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you heard this pod. Your review will help others find us and we'll give you a shout out on the show. You can also head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode. So thanks again, Kate and Belinda. Thank you, Kate and Kate. Ah, all the Kates. Until next time, happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.